Hello, Hyrock. Welcome to our daily devotional. I'm back from my vacation, eager to join with you again as we're continuing with the uh, book of Exodus. And today we're in a bit of a longer passage, so we're going to jump right in verses, uh, chapter 14, verses 5 through 31, where we read this. When word reached the king of Egypt that the Israelites had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds. What have we done letting all those Israelite slaves get away? They asked. So Pharaoh harnessed his chariot and called up his troops. He took with him 600 of Egypt's best chariots along with the rest of the chariots of Egypt, each with its commander. The Pharaoh hardened, the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, so he chased after the people of Israel who had left with fists raised in defiance. The Egyptians chased after them with all the force in Pharaoh's army, all his horses and chariots, his charioteers and all his troops. The Egyptians caught up with the people of Israel as they were camped before, beside the shore of Pi-Haharoth, across from Baal-Zephon. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord, and they said to Moses, Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, Leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It is better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians will see you today. You see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground, and I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they will charge in after the Israelites. My great glory will be displayed through Pharaoh and his troops, his chariots and his charioteers. When my glory is displayed through them, all Egypt will see my glory and know that I am the Lord. Then the angel of God, who had been leading the people of Israel, moved to the rear of the camp. The pillar of cloud also moved in front and stood behind them, moved from the front and stood behind them. The cloud settled between the Egyptian and Israelites' camps. As darkness fell, the cloud turned to fire, lighting up the night. But the Egyptians and Israelites did not approach each other all night. Then Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. The wind blew all that night, turning the seabed into dry land. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. Then the Egyptians, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and charioteers, chased them into the middle of the sea. But just before dawn, the Lord looked down on the Egyptian army from the pillar of fire and cloud, and he threw their forces into total confusion. He twisted their chariot wheels, making their chariots difficult to drive. Let's get out of here, away from these Israelites, the Egyptians shouted. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. When all the Israelites had reached the other side, the Lord said to Moses, Raise your hand over the sea again. Then the waters will rush back and cover the Egyptians and their chariots and charioteers. So as the sun began to rise, Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the water rushed back into its usual place. The Egyptians tried to escape, but the Lord swept them into the sea. Then the waters returned and covered all the chariots and charioteers, the entire army of Pharaoh, of all the Egyptians who had chased the Israelites into the sea, not a single one survived. But the people of Israel had walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground as the water stood up like a wall on both sides. 
That is how the Lord rescued Israel from the hand of Egyptians that day. And the Israelites saw the bodies of the Egyptians washed up on the seashore. When the people of Israel saw the mighty power that the Lord had unleashed against the Egyptians, they were filled with awe before him. They put their faith in the Lord and in his servant, Moses. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, along with the uh, Passover itself, this has to be one of the central moments in the book of Exodus. In fact, it marks kind of the end of the, the first part of the book of, of, of Exodus. This is this, They are finally done with Egypt. They have left Egypt. Egypt no longer has any power over them unless they should wish to return, which they expressed that desire earlier here. And we're going to see that happen throughout the book of Exodus. And there's a similar cycle to Passover. You have the, the hardening of Pharaoh's heart, followed by the stretching out of Moses' staff. You have the, the separation of the Israelites and the Egyptians. Um, and you have this event now as this kind of climax of the first part of, of uh, Exodus, that the Pharaoh will never hold power over Israel again. And I think of this as, in some ways, similar to our own situation, that when Jesus frees us from the power of this world, from the power of sin, death, and the devil, they never have true power over us again, unless we should wish to relinquish that. There's always this desire to go back to Egypt, you know, um, as the, the Israelites expressed here. We always, uh, so often we have this desire to go back to life before God, life before we turned our lives over to the Lord, that we somehow get this nostalgia effect and, and remember things better than they were, or we become overall fearful and we forget that God, that Yahweh is the Lord. And that's, in, in the end, I think kind of the central impact of this passage. Uh, whatever other effects happen here, God says that the, the real thing that comes out of this is that Egypt will know that I am the Lord, that the Lord that Yahweh is the Lord. They will know who the real God is. And this is something that we look to even today. Uh, Pharaoh earlier had said, uh, you know, who is the Lord that I should obey him? Well, this is the final answer. Uh, Yahweh is the Lord. And, and because he is the Lord, that is why you should obey him. I, I see one final thing here, and that is Israel begins here to move from fear uh, to faith. In verses 11 and 12, they just kind of uh, basically vomit out all their fear and all their desire to return to Egypt, all the reasons why they wish they had never met Moses in the first place. And didn't we tell you this would happen? And isn't it better to be a corpse? Uh, isn't it better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness? But by the end of this passage, they're moved to on. It says that they're moved even to faith in verse 31. Now that's, that's a transition that's going to take a while to take hold. Um, but it begins in many ways with the Passover and, and especially here when they finally experience this miraculous freeing from the, the power of Pharaoh. Dave, I'm wondering what you see here in today's passage. Well, you know, I'm struck as you were by the, the, uh, the response of the Israelites. And, you know, they, the, hey, why, didn't, why did you make us leave Egypt? Uh, you know, weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? Uh, we said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. And you're, you're talking about the kind of that tendency to want to go back to the life before Christ. But I think part of the appeal uh, isn't just the, hey, I've forgotten how awful it was. Uh, these guys had just come out. You know, I mean, it's like these days, you know, uh, or weeks, I guess. And so it's not um, it's not like, you know, it was, you know, 20, 30 years later. Uh, I don't think that they forgot. What I think maybe the reality is, I want to think more about this, but just as it strikes me, 
I think there's something about the predictability of life, even when it's bad, right? We just, people hate change more than hate anything else. And there's something about, okay, I don't like that life, but at least I know what to expect. Uh, and we can kind of get into a routine and, and all that. Um, but I think hope is uh, very scary. Uh, and I think that's anytime, right? Of course, we see it here with these people that there's this hope, this thing that's been held out before them. But if you don't hope, you can't be disappointed. Uh, there's kind of the way that I can be hardened it, when I'm in that that miserable routine, you know, and I'm just angry and uh, the whole world's against me and I'm a victim of everyone else's idiocy. You know, we all have, have those kind of lines. Um, and it's just, it, it's very comfortable being in that uncomfortable space because we know the role to play. Uh, but I think as anytime Jesus calls us to go do something that's new uh, and, and is asking us to take a step of obedience out of what's familiar, I think it ends up being frightening, even if we hated what was familiar. Uh, and I, I, you know, I mean, the classic example of this is the person who leaves a, you know, a dysfunctional, toxic, abusive kind of marriage and ends up going and repeating, jumping right back into another relationship just like it, uh, that it's, it's what's familiar. Uh, and, and a healthy relationship is so different, it looks scary. Or the idea of being alone, you know, so different that it looks scary. Uh, in fact, you know, as a lot of people are going to find out later this week, we're, we're kind of in having a challenge at the church these days. Uh, and and I, I find that there's moments where I feel like this, oh, you know, <laughs> why did we, why didn't we just kind of have things the way they were before? But, but the reality is it's going to be uncomfortable when we make big changes. And if we're following God, and we want to make sure that we make the changes we're making are following God, right? Sometimes the pain is telling us you're doing it wrong. But sometimes the pain is that the, the frightening piece of, of, uh, of being out of control and knowing that you're out of control, at which point you need God to show up. And I think that is the walk of faith. And so, yeah, it's not as easy. It's definitely not as comfortable. But, but that is the place that we get to see God do these incredible things. And the Israelites in this case, despite all of their fear, when the Lord said, pick up your stuff and get moving, and wh where do we go? Right? We, there's an ocean here, or a sea here. What, what are we Just walk. And, and they got to see something miraculous. And I, I feel like that's the, the confidence that I have, that God is able to do miraculous things that I can't yet imagine that seem impossible. Uh, I know that Michelle and I have felt that a lot of times in our family as we've taken huge risks, uh, done things that felt like we were being obedient to God, but were very uncomfortable for us. And I wonder how is, this is gonna end up badly. You know, there's no There's no other way here. This is a disaster. And yet God makes this way. And so, as you say, you know, the, the people are moving from fear to faith. Uh, I actually think in a lot of ways, all of us have taken this same journey, right? We've taken that journey of slavery to sort of the, the kind of the, the world's systems and, and the way that that ends up being oppressive and being called out. But, you know, the idea of being saved, it's a, it sounds always so good. Like, isn't that wonderful? I'm telling you the feeling when you're doing it, and I'm not just talking about the first time you come to Jesus, though that for sure. I'm talking about every time that God is emancipating us from another harmful habit, another unhealthy relationship, another you know kind of toxic pattern. Every time God is saving us, it always feels disorienting and frightening, and it's the, kind of looking back at what God has done before. And you know, in this case, it's all these miracles and plagues. But looking back at what God has done before can give us the faith to go this seems ridiculous. And yet I really believe that God is calling me. And so I'm going to walk. And 
And I think when we have the faith to walk before we can see, that's when we end up getting to a place where we will see God show up and do something. A lot of us who don't see God doing anything, it's because we're not actually following him you know, into the ocean and this into the sea in this case. You know, I think about Peter being invited to come out of the boat. Like he wasn't going to see how it's all going to work until he gets out onto the waves and starts to walk. There's sometimes we just have got to be willing to take those steps of faith. If we're sure that God is calling us, take those steps of faith and then trust that God is going to show up in ways that you cannot predict. That's why it's called faith. So that's what I see here. Yeah. I'm glad you pointed out the the vulnerability of of hope. How hope causes us to face face our fear and lack of control. And I think of uh, Victor Frankl when he finally was released from Auschwitz, and he and the other inmates traveled into the town that day and came back. And one of them felt terribly guilty. And he said the reason uh, he confessed that he felt guilty because he felt nothing. And the others said that that was exactly what they felt as well. And, and Victor, reflecting back, said it was about two weeks later when he was on a train and he was looking out the window and he saw a little girl playing in the street. And then he finally began to feel some joy because that gave him the assurance that what he was experiencing was real, that he wasn't going to be open to this tremendous disappointment. It wasn't a dream. He wasn't going to wake up back in the nightmare or anything. And so I, I really take I took to heart that, that insight that these wonderful things that we seek expose us to a tremendous feeling of vulnerability. And, and that's where, you know, building up, you know, experience with the Lord and, and, and growing, having our faith grow is really what allows us, becomes that fertile ground that we can begin to experience the joys that God has for us. Uh, Dave, I'm wondering if you would close us in prayer. Of course. God, we don't have control. But God, we want to trust in you. You are the one who can do things that are impossible. You can do miracles. You can make a way when there is no way. God, you are the God who saves, the God who keeps his promises. We trust in you and you alone. And we pray in the name of, of your, your son, Jesus, who was the impossible salvation again. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, everyone. Thanks for joining us. So glad to be back with you and hope you can join us again tomorrow as we continue our journey through Exodus. Go in peace.